tonight I would like to share a few reflections about uh, meditation as the art of letting go and uh, acceptance. There is a certain I would say specific spiritual quality we might call it grace some inner grace lightness or maybe spaciousness which is very much it seems to me the fruit the effect of prolonged training in the art of letting go and acceptance. It seems that this uh, something which we might call grace uh, sometimes manifests physically, externally. If you read the beautiful biography of the Buddha which Thich Nhat Hanh has recently written. There is this description of the grace of the Buddha and of his monks, the grace of their way of walking, of sitting, of standing. Uh, in other words, the grace becomes also a physical fact, manifests itself, it's tangible. We see in our practice that if we want to come back to the breath, we have to let go of something which keeps us. The problem is not the thoughts. It's not the memories, it's not the, the moods and the mind states. The problem is our attachment. As the Buddha says in his famous pious sermon, there is nothing wrong with the senses and the mind on the one side and the object of the senses and the object of the mind on the other side. The problem is the fire, the problem is the attachment. So we think that the problem is that we are having thoughts or memories or feelings uh, while we are meditating. But actually that is not a problem. The problem is our way of relating to all this material which is going through our mind. thoughts are not a problem, although we tend to experience uh, the situation in this way. We think there is an objective problem, 
without the problem is not an objective one, it's within. And we know, because we are here practicing and we've been practicing before, that once we manage to let go of our attachment to thoughts and memories and mind states, we uh, come back into center, we come back to the breath, we come back to the present moment. In other words, there is a specific reward in, uh, to the extent that we let go of our attachments. We have this reward, which is being more alive, going to what is uh, a live life through this device, the device of the breath. We alight, we abide into the presence for a little while. Sometimes it lasts a little bit longer, sometimes it's uh, extremely short-lived. And then again, there is this uh, deeply ingrained addiction, attachment, uh, a technical word and we might lose uh, its sense since we use it so much but I if we think how how much we are uh, tied up with our mental universe of thoughts and images we realize that this is a powerful addiction we can't stay too long without thinking, imagining. Uh, fear comes, or uneasiness comes. And then when he, we go back and finally start remembering again for the uh, hundredth time, uh, we feel at ease. We feel at home, into the familiar world. So it's very deep. And this is why the training in letting go, the training, uh, the meditative training, is gradual, it's slow. Because we are dealing with a very deeply ingrained addiction. Addiction to thinking, addiction to generating images and uh, the mental universe we are constantly sucked in, seduced by. Actually, it takes years to realize the suffering which is uh, present in a scattered mind. In a mind which is constantly drifting there, 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 attached to that, drawn to this, in this constant drifting along, there is suffering. But usually it takes a long time to be seen, because if we've been always drifting along, we don't have a reference point 
and we don't understand the suffering. But once we get a little bit of peace, uh, a, a, a little platform in the middle of the ocean, so to speak, then we realize how much non-peace we have. Once we get a little bit of peace, from there we start realizing how much non-peace we have, how much suffering in a non-unified mind there is, in a constantly uh, identified mind. It takes time to see that we never regret when we go back to the breath. We have to accumulate a certain amount of experience to, to uh, have a tangible uh, realiza realization of this, that it's good, it feels good to go back to the breath. It's very alive, it's very simple, it's very deep. But for some time, which varies according to people, uh, we keep finding that all the uh, forms and colors and words which our mind incessantly suggests uh, is something more alive, more attractive. It takes some time to see that actually this is less alive all this universe, all this colored universe, all these thoughts and images, by comparison to the bare being in the present, to this bare energy of being in the present. But we can uh, have this experience only when there is some reduction of attachment to our thinking and feeling and imagining. That's why the training in letting go is so essential. Sometimes letting go is not possible. Suppose we are having a very heavy mind state, very difficult mind state and that we want to let go of it, to go back to the simplicity of the here and now, of the breath. But that mind state is too powerful, it's too heavy, it's too sticky. We can't let go of it. So the art is accepting it. We can't let go of it. It just stays. So we have to develop ways of accepting it. Now we can easily realize, we can easily find when we work this way, that one of the reasons why that mind state is uh, so steely, so hard, is exactly because we are not accepting it. We are not accepting that we are worried. And we might not know it. 
we might not know that we are worried at the same time we are judging ourselves because we are worried we are judging ourselves telling us that you should not be worried after 12 years of practice you should not be worried <laughs> or you should be less worried uh, you are su surprisingly worried and uh, this is bad this can be all in the background but we are students of mindfulness so if we apply mindfulness we can see this subtle but very strong tie this uh, power which comes from the judging mind from the non-accepting mind if and when we see it we can relax and we can accept at least a little bit more the fact that we are worried and if we think of it acceptance is an another way of indirectly letting go because if we accept in order for us to accept that we are worried we should let go of our resistance to this fact usually the biggest resistance is to change usually better known as impermanence in Buddhist circles change is very hard to accept so it's hard for us to say now the sky inside is cloudy before it wasn't now it's cloudy just accept that the sky changes all the time ego has a big part in this we are ready to accept that other people's sky change <laughs> but our inner sky should not change should be uh, I don't know the, the in, in weather forecast uh, as they say when uh, stable uh, fair uh, should be like that and if it isn't uh, we contract we judge ourselves and we don't accept this fact seeing the non-acceptance realizing the contraction the judgment the hardening is the essential tool to begin accepting to begin the acceptance so I two wings one is letting go and the other one is accepting the art is understanding when to use the letting go and when to use the accepting if letting go doesn't work accepting works
see, if, let's go back to the practice. Suppose we have just a small distraction, a small thought. And we wake up and we let go of this small distraction. If we imagine uh, watching this little phenomenon with a microscope, what we see is that we gain new energy. And we drop the little distraction, the little fall, the little uh, wave, and we fall into the present moment thanks to the breath. There is a moment of energy there is uh, a moment of space, there is something really solid, more solid than so many promises which come from the mind. And the more we touch this little bit of solid peace, the more we feel motivated to work in letting go and in accepting. You know, as, as the time goes by and we keep practicing, letting go and accepting become specific mind states. Sometimes they are dry, but sometimes there is a specific taste. Sometimes just the word let go is as though it induces, uh, generates a wave of peace. A relief okay we are letting go we are accepting the voice of reason just let go okay we let go and there is an expansion and we can feel that expansion inside at other times it's not so maybe we let go but we don't quite perceive the process while it happens it's different it's less, in a sense, it's less immediately gratifying. Same with acceptance. Sometimes we are struggling and we just remember acceptance. Oh, it's like waking up from a bad dream. Many bad dreams during the day. And that is the opposite, this waking up, this relief, is the opposite of uh, that contracted state which doesn't let go, which doesn't accept. There is lightness, there is spaciousness, there is simplicity. And we realize that there is a part of us, a part uh, of ourselves which just craves that simplicity and whenever we get that point of uh, simple being present in the present it's ah, like being home it's like, it's like we realize that we are constantly depriving ourselves of something
what, what, what happens when we do not accept, when we judge ourselves, when we refuse to let go? It's called identification. Maybe there is a, we have a, we are in a bad mood and we are identified with the bad mood which means that we believe a hundred percent what the bad mood is telling us uh, it means that we own the bad mood this is my bad mood I am this bad mood It's a possession. We are possessed to the extent that we identify with the mind state. We are possessed by that mind state. We might think that the word is too dramatic because this identification is something which happens so frequently, such a domestic dimension, that we are, uh, are hesitant using this uh, dramatic word like possession and yet we are possessed that's the suffering that's the sadness we are you know we are not free when we are identified forget about freedom forget about peace or joy it's a very rigid situation, what we call identification, attachment. It's extremely rigid. It's a, it's a field which has no, you know, no uh, flexibility, um, softness, it's just stiffness and rigidity. And we can, it, we, we can go back to the brain. We don't have that simple strength of going back to the breath to play with the breath in the moment in in, in you know in uh, um, total uh, how do you say uh, gratuitous huh? we are just weighted down by the identification of course if we smile within our bad mood then we start questioning our bad mood and our mood becomes less bad because we are less identified with it we start believing less what the mood is saying but as long as we are identified we don't let go we don't accept we are trapped and we suffer dukkha see the refreshing the refreshing discovery is that the mind our mind is something which can be very good once we strip it of all the identifications and the possessions 
you know, just uh, live it alone, live it in peace, uh, it turns out to be very good, uh, very, uh, very simple. Our mind enjoys being in the present. Our mind loves being in the present. But we should help it. But once we start letting go and accepting, we see that, in a sense, things fall into place. It's as though the mind, our mind, was just waiting for that to happen. Being made lighter. If we just piece by piece take away our identifications, our possessions being possessed, and then the mind can drop into the present moment and enjoys that. I would like to emphasize this word, enjoys, and, and loves being in the present. Of course, In order to deep this training of letting go and accepting, so as to have this precious fruit of aliveness and grace, we need instruments, we need tools. And the main ones are mindfulness and understanding. Through mindfulness and understanding, we work at seeing what is there to let go and why. What is there to be accepted and why. Otherwise, letting go becomes like an ideology. And uh, again, we are in, in, in a stiff field, in a rigid field, in a uh, non-productive uh, field. But if we see why, if we see the suffering, then we let go. Again, it takes time. We can just think of a very small example. Suppose we have an exciting thought, and uh, we think that this is a pleasant thought. Exciting is about going something or so, uh, going somewhere. But if we have some practice with us, if we practice, uh, if we have been contemplating this thought for a certain time, we might have realized that the pleasant part, the pleasantness, is only superficial. Because to the extent that this thought repeats itself you know, in a mildly obsessive, way, then there is suffering. You know, apparently, it was something pleasant. 
but then we, we start through the contemplation, through the watching, through the, 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 the mindfulness, we start feeling this uh, steely, this hard quality, this total lack of softness, and the suffering which is connected with it. So we, we change, we start changing our mind. Uh, we, we, we want this thought less than before. We are less ready to, to fuel this thought. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a mini example. And we feel more inclined to let go of this mechanical thing. Apparently pleasant, but really mechanical. So the time apply mindfulness, the time to apply understanding, to right effort and wise repetition. Let's take a less uh, small example. Acceptance or non-acceptance of ourselves. This is a major one. If we start working at this, inevitably there is a voice inside which says, uh, why should I accept myself? I have uh, so many flaws, shortcomings, defects. What's, where is the wisdom of, of accepting this, this bag of, of shortcomings, of flaws? Where is, where is the, 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 the breadthness of this? Wouldn't be wiser to uh, take action? See, the only answer can come not for, for, from another thought or another way of reasoning, but from the direct experience that actually accepting ourselves the way we are is the best way of taking care of our shortcomings and flaws. That as long as we are judging ourselves in a very severe way, we are paralyzed. We cannot really intervene. We cannot really do something for ourselves. We cannot really take care of ourselves. You know, maybe to our ego, this can sound, this can look paradoxical, that unless we accept ourselves the way we are, we cannot really take care of shortcomings, of flaws, of things we think don't work in us. But if we experience it, then no one uh, can convince us of uh, the contrary, to the contrary. We open, we open ourselves to ourselves. We watch the judging mind, we watch the comparing mind. 
we accept this invitation coming from our depth which says you know accept there is this voice is uh, harder to be to be heard but it's there the very very wise voice it's underneath the, the, the noise you want is you know we know that very well barking all the time then this this uh, deeper one uh, more delicate more tender more intimate which says accept that that little melting that takes place that takes place it's a big help in working with our difficulties if we are tense no matter how clever and well equipped we are not much happens our wounds stay the way they are but once there is this little bit of softening of self-acceptance little piece of humility then it's much easier to enter into our inner work something starts again uh, falling into place without our doing anything special or we can help much more easily or sometimes we realize that we were seeing something which was not there at all we are so tense so unaccepting to the point of creating uh, a perception of ourselves or of other people which was totally wrong so sometimes our shortcomings we find out were imaginary sometimes they're real but through the acceptance of ourselves we can work on them see sometimes it, this is a it's as though we uh, we accept our shortcomings but we don't accept ourselves but we you know we cannot fool ourselves like this we have to accept the totality that's a, a, a tricky mental attitude which just doesn't work I remember reading a contemporary Tibetan author being struck by a story uh, which he recounts. The story is about a layman, Tibetan layman, I think his name is Manjol Chudak. The story goes that this uh, person one day gets sick and is about to die. 
And while he is in this situation, he's very sad. And he accuses his friends and his relatives. He says, you know, you have been deceiving me because you have been always praising me for being so good. And I spend all these years, I spend my life doing things, being very active and uh, getting praised for my actions and uh, for being so good at doing this and doing that. And meanwhile, I haven't practiced that because I was too busy doing all these things in order to get confirmation and, and praise. Now there is, in each of us, and Mondor Chodak, who wants to be praised, who wants to do as many things as possible, to have a decent identity. You know, the more we do, that's the reason why sometimes going to a retreat is so, uh, um, can create such a difficulty in us. We leave for 10 days, and uh, this means that for 10 days we don't do anything. And the part of us, the conditioned part of us, just cannot tolerate the idea. Uh, thinks that this is crazy. So there is this part which wants recognition, which wants gratification, which wants success, which wants to be praised and loved. Now the amount of gratification and success that is physiological, that is needed, is not the point. The point is that hunger, that ambition, that attachment, which is insatiable, that is the point. And that is the suffering. Insatiable. The more, uh, the more you get, the more you want. I like to conceive of the mindfulness, of the acceptance, of the observing as, as, a, as a constant stroking of this child that we have inside and that wants and wants more and wants more. The practice is watching and watching again and understanding a little bit more and generating tenderness and more tenderness. It's like, you know, the child is screaming and screaming, you know, the one thing and the one thing. And our response is more stroking, more accepting, more uh, mindfulness. So instead of piling up tension, we go the opposite direction, less tension, more openness. But we have to be ready uh, to give this kind of response. You know, the more 
he or she screams and the more we stroke, the more we open up, whereas the conditioned attitude is to stiffen and stiffen and stiffen, so more dukkha, more dukkha, more dukkha. But this way is the other way around, it's less dukkha, less dukkha, because we, we give this wise response. In a sense, we are using that screen, that I want, to open up, to realize something of a much greater value of whatever thing I want and I could get. I think it's also very important to feel this connection between the understanding and the tenderness. That's true, true understanding, practice understanding, not cerebral understanding. It is an understanding which brings along tenderness. Same as ignorance brings hardening, brings the opposite of tenderness. There is a a power in letting go, there is a power in accepting. See, when we first start playing with these things, our very justified impression is that um, they just are very ephemeral. We, we, uh, We are faced with the power of anger and fear and attachment, incredible power of the addicted mind. And then letting go, accepting uh, like little sometimes rhetoric, you know, little uh, uh, superficial and ephemeral things. But then we keep doing it. We keep coming to retreats, we keep sitting and uh, we keep remembering, remembering the present. And what happens is uh, a slow shift. Now, letting go has some power. Now, after some time, accepting has some power. It's not just a superficial, ephemeral uh, intention. And the real power is always, you know, being always in the hands of fear, anger, attachment. At one point, we see that the power uh, can change of hands. That's very uh, heartening, that's very encouraging. Uh, that's uh, a source of uh, hope, hope as a virtue, not hope as expectation.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.